All right, and there we go. Again, welcome everybody online uh, to our member day here in March. Uh, I'm Matt Cope. If you don't know who I am, this is me. Uh, welcome to our training room. Today's uh, training room uh, member day is a single directional webinar base, so we actually won't be able to hear your questions. Feel free to type any that you have into the chat box and we'll be sure to uh, get back to you with whatever information you need. Uh, however, getting started, there's going to be a pretty quick discussion. I'm going to give some additional resources and stuff at the end you can watch, as well as you can always ask questions and we'll get back to you there. However, this conversation is just to kind of start the brain working, to see are we really doing our part as managers and, and owners of the companies to make sure that our people are engaged, to make sure that they feel like our company is the place that they should be, and that they're getting compensated accordingly. And so therefore, uh, we're going to kick off by, by just diving right in and saying, you know, in our industries, the skilled trades industries, pest control, heating and air conditioning, uh, electrical, plumbing, and so on and so forth, we have this need that we think we have to pay people extra. Now, I'm a big fan of that. However, when it comes to pay scales in general, there's a few ways we could do it. Number one, we could just give everybody a really, really, really high salary and just pay them like that instead of having to deal with all this extra paperwork. But why don't we? Well, why don't we? It's pretty simple because then people could be really lazy and just not, getting, not get anything done, correct? And so, therefore, we've utilized in these industries for years incentives and spiffs in a way that will allow us to help promote people to go a little bit above and beyond, to close the extra job, to fill out that extra paperwork, whatever it is. But today I want to spread some clarity on both of those subjects. So the question becomes simple. What's the difference between an incentive and a spiff? Well, if we break it down, it's kind of like this. A spiff, first of all, would be something that is a one-off incentivizer, such as, hey, I've got this product, I've got this service, if you close this one deal for me, I will give you this, if that makes sense. You might say, well, what does that mean? Well, it's an exchange, a monetary exchange for a specific service, but the negative of a spiff is that they tend to put on blinders. You might say, well, how so, Matt? Well, let's, let's use something in this industry like a, a service agreement, for example. Many of you have service agreement programs uh, in your company where you might incentivize a tech to sign a customer up. So for, let's just say $10. Hey, Mr. Technician, you sell a service agreement and we'll give you $10. Now, if you get a technician that's really motivated about that, you might go out and sell service agreements on every job. But I bet if we had an interactive class and I asked for a show of hands of who's had a technician fix stuff for free just to get somebody to sign up on a service agreement, I bet hands would go up all over the way, uh, all over the board. Why, you might ask? Well, it's simple. He had blinders on. You told him you'd give $10 to him if they did this. So they did it. But my question for you is, how many thousands of dollars worth of opportunities 
has your team walked past because of a SPIF program? All right. You see, the issue is a true SPIF should always be to move temporary overstock. What do you mean by that, Matt? I mean, let's just say that we had a whole pallet of, well, we'll use an example like thermostats or water filters or something that you had left over from the, the peak season. And we had this whole pallet of these, you know, darn $10,000, $15,000 worth of product right there in our warehouse. And we knew we weren't going to be super busy for another four or five months. And so at which case we could tell our team, okay team, we're going to go ahead and give you $10 for every one of these thermostats that you sell. However, they all have to be sold before April 25th. That is how a SPIF should work. A SPIF should be temporary overstock. Let's move it and has a time frame. This offer ends at this point. Because even if we get a little bit of blinders on, we're only using them in slow seasons to help generate additional work, to motivate our team, and we're not walking past the thousands because it drops off in time before we get really, really busy. So therefore, do spiffs have a place? Yes, they do, but that's the, the basics of it. If you have permanent spiffs that are always there in your company, it creates a massive amount of paperwork uh, that can be uh, very difficult, can require a lot of time for a high-level office position, as well as it tends to not always work as well as we would like long-term. And of course, we walk past opportunity. Now, let's talk about incentives. Why do we incentivize? Well, incentives are, are pretty simple. We incentivize in order to get our team, all of our team, to increase performance by following procedure. What procedures might you ask? Well, number one, paperwork. You see, if simple things like paperwork are not filled out properly, then how in the world can even your SPIF program work? It's back and forth, a constant fight, several of you on the call today. I know that you've had this issue where paperwork and, and timesheets weren't turned in properly. And so it was a nightmare trying to get payroll done, and you're always scrambling last minute. And so the thing is, is we incentivize to follow procedures, paperwork, uh, protocol, just all of the software things that you need for your company, but then, of course, the use of the menu pricing system. In other words, we're going to incentivize your field staff to actually follow procedures that increase the company's revenue. If the company's revenue goes up and profits go up, then we have more profit to share. That's what pays the incentives. Now, the question ultimately becomes as well, okay, Matt, well, I can see that that's important. We already have some of those in place, but who should we incentivize? Is this just something that's for the service techs? Well, no. Actually, you can build incentive programs for pretty much every position in your company. But let's talk about that. You know, managers, should they have an incentive? Yes, but it should be different than your field staff. CSRs, should they have an incentive? Yes, but it should be different than your field staff. Dispatchers, should it be different? Yes, 
Field technicians, should they be different than your installers and apprentices and helpers? Yes, across the board. Your incentive programs may not be identical for everyone. Not everybody has a direct role in actually closing deals, but everybody does have a part to play. So let's break this down a little bit, all right? When before we dive into what the incentive could be or could look like, first we have to establish a base wage. In other words, what should we pay our people? Well, the reason we believe a base salary is so important versus what much of the industry and even some of you uh, are focused on, which is going to more of what they would call performance pay, which could be straight commission or even piece rate pay. The problem with those other pay scales is that, again, they can require a ton of paperwork, and then in certain states you can run into certain legalities when it comes to overtime, callbacks, things like that. And historically, if we break them down, the fear of those pay scales have always been companies switch to them in order to keep from overpaying on the hourly. But again, that's why the incentives are there to make sure that everybody's following procedure. If everybody's following procedure, there should be more than enough revenue to keep all of the numbers in line. So again, what should my base pay be? Why do I need one? What's well, really got to do with this? A base salary, AKA an hourly wage or a, a fixed salary, you know, hey, you're on 40,000, 50,000, whatever it is, provides stability and helps loyal, build loyalty as well. You might say, well, how could that help build loyalty uh, you know, to have a salary? Well, let's think about these commission-only companies for a second. Many of you, again, if I asked for a show of hands, and I said, who's ever had a service tech quit that was on straight commission that made tons of money, but they quit because they had a couple of slow weeks? I bet every single hand would go up. Why? Because every single person that works for you has a significant other that knows what they make. This should be, it could be a spouse, it could be a friend, it could be a relative. But everybody has someone that knows what they make and in the event that they have a, flu, a, a, a few slow weeks and they bring home a paycheck that's really low, that significant other starts playing the respect card about Look at everything you do for that company and they have the audacity to send you home with a $200 paycheck. You should go somewhere that respects your skills more, that guarantees you a better wage. See, that's the problem with many pay skills out there is they don't provide that stability. We've found that, that most service technicians that are worth their salt will work almost for pats on the back just respect for being recognized as one of the best players on the field. However, their significant other needs to know that there's going to be a paycheck coming home every single week for a certain amount of money or more, whether that's 500, 600, 1,000, 2,000, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It just has to be stable and consistent. Now, once there's, you know, we, we look at that, I skipped a slide there. Once we look at that, then we say, okay, well then how do we set a base salary? 
Well, we set a base salary to help keep uh, the significant other happy by looking at, first of all, area job starting points. Now, I don't so much care how much other people pay. I care that we're paying better. I want your company to be able to be the company that people know, hey, you can go work for this service company, and it's like government work. You're going to get a, a solid base salary. You're going to have the perks and benefits. You're going to get the overtime. Hell, you can pay overtime after eight hours instead of after 40. In other words, every single night if you have to, if that's what it takes to really build a happy uh, employee-based and build morale. We can build it into our price points, not to start any ways there. But once we have the area starting points of, hey, techs in this area, CSRs in this area, make about this, then we focus on bolt-on perks. Well, what are bolt-on perks? They're things that give people the pat on the back on a weekly basis on their paycheck according to what they did extra, not incentives, I'm talking about long-term perks, such as additional certifications. So let's look at those. This example here would be like a CSR. So let's take a customer service representative in your company and say that in your area, their base salary is running, say, 12 bucks an hour. You could hire somebody to answer phones in your office. And you might say, well, Matt, yes, I could, but I want somebody good. Perfect. Then let's look at a few things. What could we incentivize, not incentivize, what we, could we increase their weekly, hourly draw, so to say, according to skill sets that they brought to the table? How about something like how many words per minute they can type? I'm sorry, but if you're in, in an office clerical position, you need to be able to type really, really quickly. And so for me, I'll incentivize like an extra dollar an hour if they can type over 60 words per minute. All right? What does that do for the company? Allows them to fill out work orders faster, allows them to get off the phone quicker, etc. Right? That saves you money because those are additional positions we won't have to hire accordingly. Other things like years in the field. Years in the field is a tricky one. You know, there, there has to be a little bit of proof there, but I might say years in this industry uh, with experience just in order to, to give them a pat on the back that it was worth their time. But you'll see there that I'm not necessarily going to pay a ton for that. Maybe something like an additional 25 cents an hour per year in a certain position uh, with verified experience. So this person, let's just say that they were in the field for like 10 years. Okay, so they had been in the year, field for 10 years. That would be an additional $2.50 an hour. And then the software knowledge. They happened to work for another company that already um, used the same software you do, so they actually know how it works. That could be worth an extra dollar an hour. So all of a sudden, we took an area that notoriously pays 12 bucks an hour, and now we're paying $14.50 an hour just as a base salary, not including incentives, uh, in order to, to get good qualified people. Now, if they don't have any of these, as far as they can't type 60 words a minute, well, guess what? The faster they can type 60 words a minute, they're going to get a, a dollar an hour raise. And that's about an extra $2,000 a year. That's really nice. The moment that they can pass all of your tests with the software and they're, they, they, they're knowledgeable about the software, then they get a dollar an hour raise. And again, that motivates them to add to their skill set. Service technicians in any field, I have an example on here of like HVAC just because I listed out some of the, the trades. 
we'll run two sets of base salary markers. All right. First of all, we start with the area base average. So like in my area here in Dalton, Georgia, a uh, certified uh, service technician is going to make about $20 an hour. All right. I know that's not a lot for where, where many of you are, but let's see how we can raise it. So they might make $20 an hour, but then I'm going to take approved certifications. One example on here is the NATE certification program. Many of you may not be aware of that one, but it's a good program. It's a series of tests, written tests that they can pass, and they get a bunch of patches and such for their uniforms. Uh, it's a good program. However, we could pay, if it was approved in your company, like an additional 50 cents per hour per module. And there's a bunch of different modules that they could pass and get certified on. And so that could raise their salary and, and it could show them that it was worth the effort, time and money they spent to get through that program. And at which case that might bring their average up to say $22 an hour or something. Then we can take their years in the field. Again, it has to be verifiable due to, uh, you know, by checking out their history and such, but years in the field as a specific certified position, as a lead, whatever it is. Again, that's that 25 cent an hour boost per year. Then we can say software knowledge. Do they know how to use our software? Do they have to be trained on it? And then another good one here would be like a tool list. Does your company have a tool list that it requires their field personnel to have all of the tools on it in operating condition? That's a good point there. If so, if they have everything on that tool list, I'll pay them like an extra dollar an hour. So that right there alone, all of those things right there could raise your technician to say $25, $26 an hour in a market that notoriously pays 20. So all of a sudden, we're already better, we're already more desirable. Uh, you know, this is something they're gonna get every single week, keeps the, the significant other happy, that's great. Now over on the right side of that screen there, you'll see how I have a technical skills list. And those are worth 50 cents an hour a piece. Technical skills, you would need to be a little bit more um, direct about what that would include, but they have to have a good working knowledge in diagnostics and uh, installation in each category that you select. And this will also motivate them to learn. It'll motivate them to attend additional training courses and stuff that you may put on. Courses that you may offer once a quarter on the weekends or something to get certified in each one of these or for them to be able to come take a test to prove that they actually learned it so they can increase that base salary. But you could put a pretty high list on here. You could end up finding that, that service techs with this example ought to be able to make probably at least $10 an hour more than your base salary. Um, and so then your area base, and that again, does not include incentives. So what else do we have? Well, we've got things like a helper and an apprentice. Okay, well, how do we set their base salaries? Well, let's say that the area base for an apprentice is 15 bucks an hour then again, I'm still going to give them the ability to get a boost if they'll go out and get some certification, like their Nate certification. I'll give them that extra 50 cents an hour per module. But then on top of that, uh, trade schools. I totally believe trade programs can be really, 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 really beneficial. And I believe trade schools work so much better if your apprentice is working in the field with you at the same time. 
And so that was my experience and I learned a ton because whatever we talked about in school that day, I got to go out and apply on the field at the same time. And so it was like having lab every single day. So you need to incentivize them to stick with school, stay in the trade programs, et cetera. And so I'll give them like an extra 50 cents an hour per quarter. So by the time they've gotten all the way through the program, they're, they're pretty near the area-based salary already, even as an apprentice. And then, of course, your tool list. Why do we only incentivize service techs for having the tools? The apprentices have to start building those as well. And so if they can get everything on their tool list, again, I can give them like an extra dollar an hour. And, you know, a breakdown for many apprentices that you, you can even talk to them about is that's an extra $2,000 a year. So even if they put it on their credit card or something to be able to get everything that you require them to get, that extra dollar an hour will essentially pay that bill so that when they get out of school and they're ready to be a full tech, it's already all paid for. Now, those are just some examples of controlling your base salary. Right? Once we've built our base salary, it doesn't have to be extreme, but you gotta have a way that motivates your team to gain more knowledge and more skill in every position. Because as they gain more knowledge and skill, they become more valuable to you as a company. They should be able to help control uh, more of the revenue, more of the overhead, more of the, the expenses and stress of a company, so to say. Once we've got that set, now it's time to talk about incentives. So how can we incentivize all these people on our team? Well, I like to look at it this way. First of all, tradespeople are not usually great at math. And so when you look at things like percentage-based incentives versus hourly rate-based incentives, percentages are not something that they're super great at. Uh, just about every company that I've worked with that uses the percentage scales, even though, yes, I know, we taught some percentage scales in the past, and many of you joined it according to, to my recommendation. But the issue with the percentage scales is it doesn't usually motivate the techs uh, as a whole to do better. Um, about 20% of them it does, but the other 70 to 80% of your techs a lot of times aren't motivated by percentages because they don't really understand them. And then there's always the risk that they think it should have been more than it was. So you end up with a tech that's disappointed. And when you have uh, disappointment come into the game, that's a problem. And so whichever way you go, you have to make it simple so your whole team understands it. And so therefore, I look at it this way. Everybody that works for you knows a few numbers. One of the numbers they know is they know how to calculate exactly how many hours they've been working this week. Right? That's something they learned on their very first job as a waiter or whatever they did. After that, they also know how to take whatever their wage is. If they make an hourly wage, they know how to take their hourly wage and convert it into what their weekly paycheck is going to be according to how many hours they worked. Now, Quick sidebar, one thing that's not on this uh, presentation here, talking about base salaries and such. In the skilled trades industries, we've found it to be incredibly important in order for you to maintain and, and keep loyal service techs, loyal field personnel especially, for you to actually guarantee a certain level of hours. So an example would be our company, 
which has major slow seasons in North Georgia in the heating and air conditioning side uh, for months even every year, we guaranteed 30 hours a week year round. In other words, we would guarantee 30 hours a week uh, if we had no work whatsoever. That would keep the significant other happy. That would keep them feeling this is a stable place. Even if somebody else was paying a little bit more, very few of them were guaranteeing the time, and so it wouldn't be worth the move. Other things we did is we guaranteed it in exchange for in, when we were going to be busy, they had to agree to be able to work at least so many hours. So we were 30 hours minimum, but with the agreement that if we were busy, they would work up to 55. So something to think about there. Now, let's break down this incentive. Let's start with the CSR position, customer service reps. Many of you don't have any incentives in place for your CSRs. So what are some things that we can look at? Now, these percentages I put on this scale are just an example. Find out what you would be happy with, with the lead sources and such that your company are dealing with. Some of them may be better than others. But things that we can incentivize our CSRs for are like booking rates. In other words, calls come in, booking rates over like 75% would get like a dollar an hour boost. That's pretty great, right? Also software usage. Software usage means not only do they understand your software and know how it works, but they actually implement information properly. So they know how to use and properly use over 90% of your software's capabilities. And then the average time on calls is below a certain amount. So I need my CSRs to be averaging, I, I really like them to be under three minutes. This example I had as five minutes. So I might have a dollar an hour for each one of those metrics there, which automatically takes that $14, $15 an hour CSR and brings them up to as much as an $18 an hour person, even in a market like mine. Hey, one second. Do you need something, Yomi? Yeah, the slides background. Okay, so now working? Okay, I can't change that now, though. All right, sorry about that. Had a question come up. So, <clears throat> moving forward, uh, dispatcher positions. What could we do with our dispatchers? Well, dispatcher's base, let's say that this dispatcher had a base of like $18 an hour after all of our markups. Then we could look at incentives like technician closing rates. You might say, why do you tie a dispatcher's position to the service techs? Because if you don't, you're losing money. It is not the dispatcher's job to clear the board. It is the dispatcher's job to maximize the profits from the field. We have to put the right technician on the right call and close the sale. All right? Your dispatcher has so much influence over that. They would stop sending texts to the, to the person that had the, had the, the best sob story versus uh, the one that we know we could make the money for. Now. Other things, average service tickets over $500. Again, if they're putting the right tech in the right place, you should be able to hit those averages that you want. Also, things like five-star reviews. Five-star reviews over like 20% of the jobs we go on. 
You might say, well, how are you going to get that? Well, the service tech needs to ask on every job, which means the dispatcher can debrief with them and things of that nature to make sure they got it. Worst case scenario, we didn't get the five-star review. The dispatcher could call back and, and ask for it. But again, that could be worth some money. Software usage, again, over 90%. Every office personnel needs to have a software percentage usage calculator in order to uh, make sure that they're doing what they need to do and, and make sure that we're maximizing our time. Managers. Now, whatever your managers are, they might be on an hourly rise, they might be on a percentage, they might be on a salary, most of you are on salary at this point. Uh, manager incentives should first of all be focused on net profit. So quarterly net profit, annual net profit, this could be an hourly increase for the next quarterly. It could be a bonus at the end of the quarterly based on a percentage, whatever, you know, whatever your company comes up with. However, for me, net profit needs to be over 15%. And so as long as net profit is over 15%, what's that worth for us for each manager position? Things again, like our technician's closing rate. Uh, that comes back to proper management and making sure the dispatchers and such are doing their job. Average service tickets, same thing, five-star reviews and software usage. All of those are key ingredients to make sure our managers are getting the job done and not just hiding behind a desk also. Technicians, whatever your technicians are, looking at a tech that has a base salary of like $18 an hour or $28 an hour after our uh, base calculations. Here at the new flat rate, we find that a fantastic incentivizer is an hourly rise, an hourly rise based on weekly gross revenue for, from the truck. So this number can go on and on, uh, but ultimately you, you want your service technician's salary to be way below 20% of what the truck's bringing in on service work uh, in order to make sure that we're staying profitable. And so our goal is really to average about 16% and that leaves us an extra 4% that we can bank in order to help with overtime, uh, end of the year bonuses, off time, vacations, things of that nature. But one of the incentives that tends to work very well is uh, we recommend an hourly rise that would look like this one, where let's say that a text truck was only doing $3,500 a week. I just wanna let you know that's not enough money. If that's all they're bringing in, that's a problem and you're gonna have to work with them to get it up or you're gonna have to fire them. It's kind of one or the other because that's just not enough money. But we follow a practice that says win small and win often. In all of these positions, if any of your personnel are able to achieve even the first bracket that allows them to get that extra dollar an hour boost, what we find is that when they take that paycheck home to their significant other and they see that um, they got that extra dollar an hour, they're going to make darn sure that that personnel doesn't lose it. And so at least the next week and the week after, they're going to keep up that show to make sure that they continue to get that uh, incentive. And so therefore, we start our first hourly in our field really low. We started at like a dollar an hour. I mean, at 3,500, which gives a dollar an hour boost. Then our next one is at 5,000. What happens is they work so hard the next week in order to make sure that they get that 3,500, they automatically upgrade and end up getting at that 5,000 point. 
Once they get that, they get a $3 an hour boost, which would take them from that $28 to $31 an hour. When they bring that check home to the significant other, it's incredibly rare that they're going to want it to go back down to $28. And so they're going to continue to push to make sure they at least do that $5,000. When they hit $8,000 for the week, they get that $5, $10,000, $8, $12,000, $10. Now, these numbers can change. We can work with you to change them if you need to. Uh, but ultimately, in most every company that we deal with, these ones usually work very, very well to keep your percentages correct. Once we get over that $12,000 a week for a service tech, you might say, Matt, my techs don't do anywhere near that. Okay. We have lots of them on the call that do. And if your guys are incentivized and they're using the tools properly, there's no reason why they can't. And so at which case, once we go over 12000 it's a $2 an hour boost per $2,000 times infinity. So, and ironically enough, on this pay scale, we have uh, many technicians that are getting 18 or $20 an hour boosts on top of their base pay every single week. And so if we looked at the example here, that would take a tech from $28 an hour to 38 to as much as $48 an hour just off of this type of pay scale. And if you had a tech that is making this type of money on a stable guaranteed rate like this, what is the chance that they're going to quit? There's still a chance, but it was greatly reduced, greatly reduced. Now, uh, apprentice and helpers. When it comes to apprentices and helpers, the incentive is this. They just got a base salary of like 18 bucks an hour because of adding additional skill sets. Okay? The more skill sets they add, the more they'll make per hour. That is all of the uh, incentive I want for them because the incentive should be keep adding skills so you can become a technician as fast as possible. And so once they become a service technician, then the sales bonus and stuff would bolt on top of that. Right? I've seen companies in the past that incentivize their helpers a piece of the truck. I believe that's a mistake because when you do that, you end up with a lot of helpers that are making all the money they want. And uh, ultimately, it's, it becomes a de-incentivizer for them to ever move up into a technician's position because a technician's position also brings responsibility that they may not currently have. And so sometimes you, you get somebody that just wants to sit on a truck for three or four years and not make that change. So with everything that we talked about right there, you might say, okay, well, I still have some questions. And we understand that and we want to help. This conversation is there to get you to ask yourself the questions, do I have incentives for all of my personnel? Have I made it simple so that they understand it and so that it doesn't take all of our office time in order to process payroll? And is it doable? One thing I want you to do is if you haven't done this, all of you in management, go to the newflatrate.com, go to the members training labs uh, in, the, in the client suite there and click on the manager's training videos. There's a video on there on pay scales. It's like 25 minutes, it's for the field staff and it really breaks down those percentage-based scales for you uh, with the hourly boosts and kind of shows you where the money should go. Watch that video if you haven't, 
and uh, decide whether or not you need to make a change. After you've watched it, if you still have questions, shoot us an uh, email at training at menupricing.com. So we have a couple of questions on the board here. Give me one second, I'm going to read them, and then we'll see if we'll get to answer them. So first of all, real quick, we had a question that came in that said, uh, I worry about dishonest techs who might condemn a furnace in order to get the sale. First of all, that's a fantastic question. That's, that's really great worry, except for you're missing one piece. The piece that you're missing is this. I cannot control anyone but me. You cannot control anyone but you which means as a company, it is vital that you implement a code of ethics, a written code of ethics that says what is allowed in your company, all right? That draws the line very black and white on, on what it means to be honest, okay? In our company, we follow honesty, integrity, and common sense. Honesty means we do not lie to a customer. We do not deceive them. Integrity means I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I can do more. I can never do less. I'm always going to go above and beyond for my customers. And common sense means don't screw over the company because you didn't understand something. Stop and ask the question. But when it comes down to that question about what about a tech that might condemn a furnace in order to make more money, it's really simple. Hire honest people that you can trust. If you have somebody on your team that you do not trust with a pay scale like this, they shouldn't be on your team now. It's as simple as that, okay? Past that, checks and balances. Let's make sure that we're doing great work. But you have to realize when it comes to reasons to offer a new furnace or water heater or panel or, or pest service, whatever it is, to your customers, all right, when it comes to, to reasons, we call those criteria, there's a million of them. Right? Our company here in Georgia, uh, two years ago, closed a replacement sale on a piece of equipment that was only two weeks old. You might say, how could you justify that? Oh, it's pretty simple. That's what the customer wanted. In other words, they had bought a house, they had moved into it, they didn't like the piece of equipment that was in it, and they wanted to upgrade to something more efficient. That unit had just been replaced before they moved into the house. There was nothing wrong with it, okay? But that's not what they wanted. And so before you worry about your techs going above and beyond, what we train is for your techs to keep their eyes open and to look for all the reasons why somebody might want to replace and then just bring it to their attention. As a field personnel, it's our job to evaluate a customer's property and just inform them of what the future may look like. In other words, there's some areas over here you should be aware of, some areas over here you should be aware of, some areas over here you should be aware of. Would you like to take care of them all now or should we just schedule them out and take care of them in, in the future or just wait till they break and do it surprise? What would you like to do? And the thing is, if we follow a program like that, you'll find that a lot of customers tend to replace things before it gets into too bad a shape. But as long as you've controlled some of the criteria and you teach ethics on what your ethics are, what you, you set the parameters as a business owner, 
and then hire people to stay inside it, that really shouldn't be a problem. Another question that comes on board are retirement perks. How do I add things like 401ks and things like that? That is a fantastic question. Um, I know we didn't always had it, have it. It took us a while to be able to get to the point that we did. Uh, only, you know, you, you have to start growing and it can be expensive, but ultimately you just got to add it to your billable hour. I mean, you got to add it to, to your jobs and so that it's there. So pull the trigger, talk to a, a retirement planner about it that can help you set up a 401k and stuff for your team. It's not as big of an expense as you think. Uh, like here in our company, we match 4%. Uh, 4% of, of what they make will match dollar for dollar according to what they uh, contribute to the programs. And so you can do something like that. So it, it's just, it's there. How to incorporate it though, it's, it's one of those base perks that really comes into loyalty, how long they've been there. I believe ours picks up after they've been here for six months. Uh, so I don't know if that answers all your questions. If you have more questions about that, also feel free to send us an email or even call and talk to Danielle at the new flat rate here. Uh, she's the one who set all of ours up and she would be more than happy to answer those questions too. So that's there. Is that all of them, Yomi? Mm -hmm. All right. Well, hey, I hope this was beneficial to you and just got your wheels turning a little bit. Again, we just want to say thank you all for being members here at the new flat rate and for taking time to uh, join us today to, to start this discussion. If you've got any more questions or comments, shoot us an email at training at menupricing.com. And uh, everybody, have a great rest of your day, great rest of the, the week, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>